guys hello and welcome back i'm jojo fraser it's time for a mojo injection episode 105 welcome to the show it is great to have you here so by the time this goes live i will be a tedx speaker Woohoo! and i'm speaking about the virus yeah the virus the deadly virus that we don't talk about stigma shame and stigma and the thing with stigma is you know, it tells us to wear a mask, um, to isolate ourselves, to wash our hands of it, to wash our hands of the virus. Um, and that makes it worse when it comes to our mental, our emotional, our spiritual and our physical health. They're all connected. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I really, through the TED Talk, want to challenge people um, that we do need to every day dig deep to remove shame. And, and this is great timing the episodes um with my guest this week because i have amanda trainer aka mrs brain trainer so she's a hypnotherapist she relaxes people and trains brains to find solutions and she's the host of the mrs drain uh, drain <laughs> brain trainer podcast and we talk and, and, and actually everyone i speak to confirms this on my research right been researching our minds and um holistic and mental and spiritual health for six years right and this episode is no different you know amanda basically says it how it is you know people are coming and they're feeling a sense of shame for something that wasn't their fault shame is really really bad for our brain and shame is really really bad for recovery and i i want to get that message out there through using stories and um you know, I, I read something for the first time this week and it was my husband's perspective of, he'd written a letter to my consultant when I was going into the mental health tribunal to to fight to get me out. And um, I didn't want him to come. I, I asked for my dad to come. and But I remember my dad, who's so wise and grounded, and he said at the start of the tribunal, um, you're speaking about me, and he said, and when she's ready to come out, and when he said that, I knew he didn't think I was ready because I, I sort of, I think I picked him because I didn't think he'd challenge me and he'd stay calm. But he was like, when she's ready to get out of the hospital. And I didn't win the tribunal. I didn't get out. And I remember the next day just crying. My mum thought it was like a delayed re- reaction, but just crying because I was still like my freedom was gone. Everything was gone. I was trapped away from nature away from my kids away from my my life my family my friends um but it was you know i needed to rest longer and get more insight so it was really interesting reading that um and and seeing his perspective of what was going on um and wow really did i um did I dive in deep to the online world because when you're in that frame of mind and someone's challenging you when you're not in a well frame of mind when your brain's shutting down and people challenge you you can't be near them and um yeah it must have been so hard because all I wanted was to reach out to people who wouldn't challenge me and, and it was like can you see what I'm seeing? Can you connect with me? Um, you know, I was in deep trauma and there was things that happened as well that, you know, I got the wrong information from certain professionals. So that made me really, really 
triggered and scared. So there was a lot of stuff that went on. But anyway, shame, I'm talking about how shame, you know, prolongs recovery and how working hard to, to really get compassion. And I had Paul Gilbert on the podcast um, quite a few episodes back now, but Paul Gilbert is the founder of Compassion Based Therapy and he tells it how it is and he's given me permission to, to use his model um, in my work going forward. But we need to pour compassion on ourselves. And I speak about this in the TED Talk. We need to pour compassion and love and remove the shame. Um, so I love this episode with Amanda jump in guys let's get deep she's such a great energy she's such a lovely person she's had a really you know tough time and i love how despite the trauma that she's been through um she's bounced back and she's she's really really gone for it um she's a badass she's an absolute badass so let's get amanda on and let's do it you're welcome guys thank you for being here all the love and good vibes what's your why with this how did you get to where you are today i am just a person who is so in love with and obsessed with seeing people succeed I, I remember there was this moment when I kind of realised I was a wee bit odd in terms of I would get quite emotional. <laughs> so give you the story. I think I must have been about 25 and my friend's sister was getting a lot of success. She was a dancer. She was getting booked for all the stars around the world. And I was getting so into her success to the point where I would get really emotional and I was like, mm, there's something here. Like even the fam, so you know what I mean? Like even some of the family of these people weren't getting as into it as I was. So I was like, oh, if only I could get this feeling. Like this is, this is a feeling that I just, I'm so into watching people overcome something or I love it. So, uh, I guess it wasn't that I was like, oh, I want to train brains or I want to be a hypnotherapist. It was more, I want a job that makes me feel like this. And it kind of aligned because what I do then is people come in with a block or, you know, they want to achieve something. They use my guidance and then they succeed. And that same wee person that sat in the seats, say, six weeks previous, comes through the door and they're like, I did it. And it's just, oh, I can't even explain the high. The best feeling, right? To be able to make a difference like that, it's priceless. Oh. So how did you get into the brain stuff then? Because I, I, know, I know that you really got into personal development after hearing a guy speak about the law of attraction and stuff like that. Yes. So I had um, Tegan, my daughter, who is 17, strangely enough, because it was when I was 17 when I had her. So I had her really, really young. And it wasn't back then that was like so bad. But I just had it in my head that like, because we had no money, like we didn't have really much. I was like, if I just keep getting education one day, I'll be in a place where her and I like will be sorted. And and that was kind of a how I, how I, uh, Peacified it in my brain. So I would always be looking for wee courses or, you know, things to, to get more education. I've done everything. 
<laughs> literally, but my first experience was going to this young parents group. So I was 19, she was two, and it was the first thing that came about that, you know, took the mother and the child on. So I would go there and the days that she wasn't nursery, she would come in and they provided a kind of play service. And I think I went there for about a year. And on the last six weeks, they used to bring in facilitators. So you'd learn to cook, you would learn to do nails, you would like learn about debt, like how to get out of debt. And the final six weeks, this guy came in and his name was called Jim Bowman. And I'm still searching for him actually, because I really, he's a guy. Although I did the work, he, he changed my life by suggesting that book back then. So he's taking us through this six week block on personal development. And I was like, I didn't even know what that was. Like how your thoughts like doesn't need to, you know, if you can change them, your, your life changes or just the concept that your current circumstance does not have to be how your life ends up. So my current circumstance was not good. Like there was no inspiration around either. There was no kind of guidance. Like I, every, we were all in the same boat, which in a way was at the time you, you just felt like you, you didn't feel like you were, it's hard to explain. Like I didn't feel like I, it was normal, kind of normalized until my eyes got open to a, a bigger world, I suppose. So during the six weeks, I really loved, it was a Louis Tice program. I think something about excellence and it was all about the thoughts. It was all about the blind spots. It was all, and I've looked back, I've got the book and it was like learn to drive and all these things that I've obviously did at this point. So we're going through this group, this six week class and none of the other girls seemed to be vibing it the way I did but I was I did have a couple of years on them so they were like 16 and just had their babies I was like 19 going on 20 and my child was sort of nursery age and on the last day Jim was like he's seen a light go off basically and I was just I wanted more and you know he said don't ask me any questions go and get this book called The Secret so and bear in mind The Secret like 17 15 years ago was life like it's not what it is now it's you know grew arms and legs and there's loads of add-ons and the action part was kind of missing for the secret but it was the first step uh and I did it I, I got two buses and I, I went to Waterstones and um I sat my bum on a beanbag and the next thing somebody was like pal <laughs> it's closing time I was just <laughs> like what <laughs> I, I honestly I can't explain the feeling and basically I never had the money to buy it that day so I couldn't even afford it so I, I would go down every day until I get paid two weeks later and I got the book and really that just sparked an array of I then get it Bob Proctor and Oprah and, and it just one after the other and the other and the other and the other but I never took any action, funnily enough, for the first seven or eight years, although I was thinking more positively. Um, and it, I was definitely, I was always a really nice, genuine, good person. Um, and I would, but nobody around me was like, you know, listening to this stuff or positivity and all that, that, that just wasn't. So I would always get shunned. Didn't change my environment. So 
you know, not much is going to change unless you change a couple of things. So I wasn't taking action, but I was reading all the books and I spoke a great game. Um, and I always wanted to, I dreamed like I wanted more, but I never ever took the action. And although it's not people's fault, I feel like my environment held me back. Although that kind of is an excuse in the same, in the same token, because, you know, nobody physically holds you in one space. But I feel like it's a journey. I don't regret it. You know, I've deviated in loads of different paths. But I'm, basically what happens is all of those paths have led me to this point. So I don't, re I don't have any regrets. Well, it's good to be able to see that, right? No regrets, <laughs> <Yeah>. they don't work. <laughs> work. <laughs> so like when you speak about the brain and I've watched some of your stuff, like you really light up, like you just, so what, what sort of stuff do you have to do to learn like all about the brain? Did you go on like a course? What well, yeah, it started for me with reading books. So books changed my life and YouTube, you know, things like that. But I wasn't taking action. So then, you know, I say I wasn't taking action, but I, I, I trained as a makeup artist. I trained as a holistic therapist. Really got a really good feel for that. Loved that. But it was a society thing. I never really wanted that. Got into TV for a couple of years. Um, started a kids party business when I was like 24. I tried everything that I thought I wanted. And, um, and they never worked out. And... and little past Amanda that never confidence you know would feel like a failure but now I can look back and be like nah that was all totally part of the plan mm -hmm. um so would go on loads of courses and started taking action moved away from my environment met my partner really started to to, to see things start to change um started surrounding myself with people who were also into that stuff, that hippie stuff, um, and just really started going to courses. But then I, I seen Marissa Peer, and it was a video of hers, and she was like talking about hypnosis and how for a problem to really go away, you, you must go to the root. And then I just started hearing that more and more and more hypnosis goes to the root this is good, that's good, that's good, and that's good. But if you really want to get it out, hypnosis will do it for you. So I was like, always wanted to do it, but Amanda that had no self-worth, you know, had been in a bad relationship, mentally, like, just no, no confidence. Um, oh, that's okay for other people, but not me. Do you know what I mean? That kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. I would find excuses, you know, the money wasn't there and this and that and that wasn't there. But I kept reading the books, regardless of the, oh, if I wasn't doing anything about it, I was still daily, you're talking six to eight hours invested for the last nearly 16 years is how I've learned so much and how the brain excites me so much. So all of these, all of these like books kept saying, get a mentor. Everybody agreed on the one thing, you should get a mentor. So I really manifested her, but she came a wee bit later. The hypnosis course, I had a, a stillborn baby. Um, I had all these goals and I wasn't quite 
going after them, you know, I would add to that goal list, but I was never really getting anywhere. And then we lost Romeo, um, and that, I basically became a fearless motherfucker. <laughs> it was a stillborn baby. Um, I was, you know, at the end of the pregnancy, and I left his funeral, and I was like, geez, oh, if I can get through this, like, I can get through anything in the world. I know I'm going off on wee tangents here, but it's kind of a, the path that got me into really going to get, like, the certificate. But left his funeral, leaving the crematorium, booked the course. The money excuses, the I'm not good enough excuses, all of that left the building. <laughs> and I finally understood what those previous years of not taking action, but still reading the books, had did for me. <clears throat> I'm always trying to tell this story without being like, ah. it's really hard. <laughs> Just so I can get the whole story out. But to go mm. through trauma like that, I mean, is really. How old were you when that happened? Just turned thirty. Yeah, so that's horrend absolutely horrendous, you know. And to have that, mm. but if you were coming out and saying, "Right, I can do anything," but I'm sure you also needed a period where you were just completely broken, right? And you needed time to try and try and heal. Yep, and I think like what what I realised was like even though I had like eight years under my belt of study without taking much action. In that moment, I, I understood that all of that programming that I did over the years actually was what got me through this because I was able to, of course, there was, we, we could have easily drove off a bridge, like that's a given. The two reasons we didn't was A, Tegan had to go up for her literally the next day, um, plus I used it to kind of, uh, I had, I used it, I, I was able to tap in and use it to drive me and I used it as fuel and I made a promise that his life would matter. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> even on the dark days, I, was, I had to get up for Tegan and, and ultimately she was the main reason because she, her life goes on, everybody's life goes on and that kind of saved my life if that makes sense yeah absolutely because if she didn't exist then I could have easily you know never get out of bed ever again that's just so and sometimes when things like that happen it's so hard to to explain, you know, and it's amazing hearing you say how, how you, you managed to keep that growth mindset in you through that time, you know, because it would Nobody be so could understand it, Jojo. Nobody, everybody that spoke to me was like, how the hell can, like, how are you doing this? And I was like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I did know because I'd, it had obviously been through all of that preset you know, foundation that I'd put into my default factory setting mm -hmm. because the past Amanda, like that wouldn't have happened to have not been working on my mind for such a long time. But the, you know, with it came other struggles. Like I avoided people for six months 
because the block I couldn't my, my mind couldn't come to terms with seeing people without a bump or a baby and then um, that was really hard obviously you know we, we had all the equipment as well and that was like a two-year process um before I could get to the point where I was like, right, I can't keep this forever, do you know? And, but out of that, I don't know what it is. I think fundamentally what it is that my brain's able to do easily because of the training I've put in is I need to pick the positives because he's not coming back. The only other thing would be if he could come back, which he can't, so it's a bit picking. I have to pick the positives. So basically what happened was when I got round to selling his stuff, the lady who bought the stuff happened to live near somebody I knew who I hadn't seen for years. So on the drive there, I was like, oh, I'm going to phone her and see if she's around. And I wouldn't even know her had her ex-partner not killed himself, who was my friend, right? There's loads of different synchronicities. It's ridiculous. Anyways, I phoned her and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in your area. Like, do you want to do lunch? It's been years, like, met up. She didn't even know about the baby. She didn't know I was a hypnotherapist by this point. And I told her all about me and she was like, oh my God, I keep seeing this woman in the circuit who is a hypnotherapist. She's been in the business like 20 plus years. She's like the head of the Scottish Hypnotherapy Foundation. She's the most authentic, captivating. I've never met anybody like her, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, that woman ends up being my mentor mm -hmm. who opened doors for me that... Mo Ferrington. That woman opened doors for me that... Had I not have got been through what I've been through, I would never have been. Uh, you know, she she's really a key. She was a mentor I'd always dreamed out. So out of the bad, I always have to look for the good. Yeah. And my career really took went woof the minute she came. What What would you say? So life has been so good to me, actually, in so many ways. Yeah, that is really humbling and amazing to hear you say that. And it like, it really inspires me when I hear, and since I became a mental health researcher, like six years ago, I've heard so much trauma. And when you see people, you know, really look for some kind of positives and, you know, it's so inspiring because it's much easier to go the other way, right? just not process the trauma just write it off you know but if you want to have a kind of fulfilling life you sort of need to you know you need to sink or swim you know you could sink so easily there is an element of and it's important to talk about that because there is a choice you definitely get a choice was my brain training from the previous eight years or so a bonus for me, a hundred percent. Would the person who hadn't read all their books be able to cope the same way? No chance. I know this because I got proof of it as well. So somebody that I knew went through the exact same thing, round about the exact same time. Mm 
and her unit completely fell apart, divorced, affairs, and it's not judging because I know how easy it would be to fall apart and crumble in that situation, of course. Fortunately, my partner was into personal development as well and the way our mentalities, it just, we were just able to use it and get through it. Mm -hmm. I went to counselling for a year also, so that really, that, that was huge for me because I was able to go a whole year and watch myself go full circle. Yeah, and it's like, if you don't process stuff, there was a phrase, a phrase you used I loved about, um, uh, you know, when someone's like, avoid a holic, is that what it is? You know, when yes. you're avoiding. <laughs> and, uh, We're all good know, at that. There's so many avoidaholics, but I'm sure I've been there, like when you're just, Joe, I was the biggest avoider, like in my previous, I call it my previous life, but I'm still that person. But the before Amanda, like I avoided everything, feelings, debt, I was in, you know, there was, I'm just such a transformation. People who used to know me, they're like, who is she? I mean, it's amazing because they talk about like journaling and talking as two of the key tools, you know, so you had that talking therapy for like you know, oh. a year and I'm sure you did the journaling and stuff as well. Like for me, like I, I don't know where it came from, but from a little girl, I was journaling, you know, so wow. getting it all out. I think being a third child as well, there was maybe a little bit of, uh neglect there <laughs> go up to your room and uh play and uh, <laughs> you know I, I got really used to my own space and I wasn't really afraid of it I don't know I I just uh, yeah it's like as you say like you're still you there's parts of you like a lot of us can have a wild side right and I can see you you seem quite extrovert and have like to, to have that sort of bubbly like woo life is so mm-hmm. like but also a really calm you know the light and shade like the boom 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 and then the like really calm introverted side I think it's really important that we embrace both yeah a hundred per I am exactly that I'm really both I think you know I really look after my mind and it's more I love I love it for a, for a start but for my job, like I have to, you know, look after it. So I'm in a good place to, you know, put my hand in and help somebody out there, whatever they are. But I'm actually a, quite a loner, um, but I, I, in a positive way, like I, my circle, my, my council is quite small. Um, I love, I love my own company, you know, spending time by myself. Like, I just love that. Like, I, I, I've noticed recently I've started keeping the volume down on the car now so that I can be alone with my thoughts when I'm driving and process and think and, you know, think about my plans and what, what I'm up to. But the opposite end, like, especially when I'm talking, and I only ever do talk about my passions and stuff, but I am... I am very wild. <laughs> very, very wild. The thing is, I, I believe everyone has a wild side and a really mm. calm side, but it's just 
how much you show of yourself, I guess. Like some people probably suppress the wild side, suppress, you know, maybe they're a bit somewhere in the middle, you know, and it's fine. Yeah, I love to, I love to, my thing in life, the most important thing in my life is being authentic. So I just love showing raw emotion vulnerability because past Amanda I keep talking about her but you know she was so ashamed and now I'm like woohoo like I did all that stuff and you know I got past it here's how to do it and it's so I think Tegan again is my main driver because I know she's looking at my stuff and if she's looking at stuff and then living with me and it's opposites that that's very conflicting for a child you know, to see. So it's important for me to post pictures that aren't perfect and cry on camera. And because it's, I really am really passionate about keeping things real and showing, showing the, especially in these days, that this perfectness is not attainable, nor should, I actually think being perfect is like the quickest way to depression. Yeah, and hating yourself. Yeah, it's boring as well. Like, don't get. I love nice. I love doing good things and stuff. But, like, totally do. But I, 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 I put. If you notice, most of my posts have got spell mistakes, and I just own that shit. I'm just like, yep, that's me. I don't sit and you know go over and over and over. I probably should be a wee bit more concerned <laughs> with some of it. Maybe take it too far in some respects, but. You know, it's, you it's do me. it your way, do it your way, and, and it's what you feel comfortable with. Like, some people we're all perfectionists at something, and I think that's okay if you've got little things that you're like that with, but just don't yes. try and be a perfectionist at everything. You know, I've seen people, and it's exhausting watching them, and um, yeah, just it, it destroys it, destroys your happiness. Yeah, it just totally you can't do destroys. It what stops people from being real, then, in your opinion? They're scared of what people think. Um, does this Everybody come is... Where does it come from? I think social media plays a huge part in it. Um, I think, like, cultural beliefs of... I just think, like, you should, like... Your friends will like you for you. You do not need to have, I love nice things, don't get me wrong, but you know, people are just playing this part in this, to try and be liked, it's this deep need to be liked. But actually this is, this is quite cool to spoke about this because I read in a book the other day, me and my friend, that do you know that need for acceptance, right? That deep need to please, I, we were reading this book and it, and it illustrated it in such a cool way and when you think about it in this way it maybe makes you question whether you should keep doing it so if you imagine crawling and crying and begging at somebody's feet you imagine going to somebody's office and just being like please please although you know that's a visual so people need to make, you know, they need to connect with that and be like, essentially, that's what you're doing. It's like crawling around the ground, like just begging for people to like you. And I, I really thought that was 
quite interesting and powerful to think of it in that way because they're all people are doing it but they're just because it's not visual because it comes in the form of you know having everything done and everything's rosy and everything's great uh it comes in other forms the people pleasing um and it's not visual so you can't actually see it but if you think about it in terms of that it, it can potentially switch you know i had a client and she kept saying i really struggle saying no to people and i went well who are you really saying no to because when you're saying struggling to say no you're saying no to yourself daily day in day out now i just like i i bang to the beat of my own drum jojo it's like the only way for me like because if i'm if i'm good you know i can give more to other people um and so i'm really a big promoter of please you first like you matter it's all comes down to self-love yep how do we for someone that's really struggling to love themselves like what advice would mm -hmm. you give i i like to get people to look at a picture of themselves when they're a little girl a little boy at the age five and just look at that picture i also ask them you know what have you did so bad that makes you hate yourself so much generally they can't come up with much or maybe they're that good at it that they come up with a few things and then once i poke a few holes in those beliefs they're like right okay i need to shut up and stop doing that <laughs> But if you look at a picture of yourself, you've been calling yourself a piece of shit, right? And you look at a picture of you when you're five, like a wee carefree, innocent, you know, child. Would you, and I, I've said to a client, call her ugly. Call her a piece of shit. Not one of them can physically get the words out their mouth, although mentally, they're calling themselves that every single day mm -hmm. and it's that you know I tell them to keep these pictures around the house anytime you know you catch yourself being really unkind because I talk a lot about negative internal dialogue that inner voice there's so much you can do to change that but when you start making that connection because it ultimately comes from a damaged untethered part of us that has been bashed when we're younger you know, and it wasn't their fault for a start. So it's about it's about making friends with her again. And you know, I'll, I'll get them to look directly in the child's. I've used it myself. It's so powerful. And I'm like, tell her you love her now. Like, tell her how much you love her. Tell her about your life, all the things in your life, and you know, the things that they say is like all the free stuff, all the stuff. You know, it's never like, go and show them, you know, the Range Rover or, you know, it's never that. It's like the kids and all of that beautiful stuff. The best way I've found personally and with clients to start that self-love thing is to drain the swamp. So anybody that's surrounding you that's making you feel any less than fabulous, they got to go. And that's one of the hardest things, actually, because I'm ruthless now. Probably to take it too far. I don't care if it's friends or family. If I don't lift you, you don't lift me, and there's not an exchange there that's helpful. We're wasting each other's time. 
So we drained the swamp. When I track who I became, I started letting go of anything and anybody that, you know, wasn't any use. They weren't helping my situation. Because if you already feel crappy about yourself and you've got somebody there reinforcing it, you've no chance. So your environment is so huge, like I cannot stress enough. So when you started drain that out, you start to get more good things reflected back, first of all. But the other thing I found super powerful is to talk about it, own it. Own your stuff, share it with someone you trust and they'll be like, oh, I felt like that before, here's what I did. Or, you know, it opens up that communication. And being vulnerable, like, I became a magnet the minute I started opening my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so powerful, isn't it? When you show, reveal yourself, you know, I say like, take your mask off, very up though, oh. given like 2020. Flaws and all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so powerful when you, when you do that, right? And I really lo- I love, I think that's great advice for people actually. And you can see, I remember doing like a meditation session at the end of a speaking gig and I got people going back to that younger self, but it was in a corporate scenario. And although it was really powerful, a couple of them wrote to me and they were like, you know, it was hard because it it got them really, really emotional. And perhaps, you know, around your boss or your colleagues, you don't necessarily, even though it was like an away day in a castle, it was like, you know, for a couple of people, it was quite hard to... Yeah, I kind of, I fell fell into that myself. I did it on one of my group calls and I kind of, somebody got in touch and they went, you know, Amanda, that was great. But, you know, because I'm a past, like it it kind of brought up, you know, in a group setting, I learned my lesson that day and I went, thank you so much for being so honest with me. Like I'll never, so I keep it generally to therapy sessions where, you know, I'm there, we're in a safe environment. Um... But I mean, we don't need to go too deep with it if it's in a group setting. But whereas in a, a one-to-one, you would you would really go into it and get and get right into it. But speaking speaking about it, healing your inner child. We all all of us. I don't care who it is. People come into me whether they have ten million in the bank or like a tenner. They're us humans. We all are looking for the same things. They want peace of mind. They want love, you know, and it's all of these things that the money and and all of that stuff, unfortunately, is only short term. (laughs) Can't buy. Mm. So do you find like a lot, like do people come to you for various reasons then with hypnosis or do you have a few key Mm. things that are quite common? Yeah, I always say like I'm a hypnotherapist on paper but I'm really so much more than that and I think it's so weird because for me I I don't really need to advertise because people come through watching me they connect with my face and I suppose Instagram is kind of advertising but out with that I don't ever talk about hypnosis you might have noticed that yourself people come because they're referred to me or she just makes me feel good like go and see her like she makes me feel calm and um, most people who come no matter what they think the problem is so it's always self-esteem and confidence at the crux you know at the root it's always that self-love that's needed it's always that inner child that's been bashed at some point because it's whether it's a an unconscious 
you know, remark from a teacher or parents that mean well or a relationship, when we start there and we start to rebuild, um, so most people come in and say I've got anxiety or struggling with stress or I, I specifically love working with high performance, like confidence, like I just, I love the brain. I love, I love like how powerful our brains is. I love to teach about how you have so much control over what happens and, and all of that sort of stuff. And people don't think they do. They think their inner thinking has full power over them, but we can shut her up. I was with somebody earlier and I was like, name her. And she was like, Sadie. I said, yes, Sadie the Sabotager. Now, the next time Sadie the Sabotager knocks on your door and tries to tell you that you don't deserve this, tell her F off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and naming these characters alone is so powerful. Uh, people come in with work stress. They will come in with traumas traumas um and all that trauma builds over the years i'm usually the last stop if i promoted myself as a hypnotist i would be the last stop saloon because the way the media is portrayed you know as clinical hypnotherapists it's not really worked in our favor but the flip side of that is then you've got paul mckenna and all of these cool people doing great stuff that's really helped us you know but most people try the medication first or they'll try alcohol food etc and then i'm last stop saloon oh maybe it's inside this mind this marvelous mind that i need to go and uh, so usually although i think because of who i am and what i've did on my accounts and social media and the podcast i'm getting a lot of young people in now which is amazing it just lights my soul up i had a wee guy in who was 13 on saturday wow. and he's just amazing like in the fact that his mother, I always say, I'm just so lucky. And I always, the two of them come in and I'm like, oh my God, like you have her, he has you and you are, you are so cool. Like your mum brings you here and you've learned all of this stuff. He's three sessions and he's just a changed wee guy. And all I needed was reassurance, Jojo. I just needed to know that, because he was in his head and, you know, he was anxious and, and I taught him, and his, his mum told me, she texted me after his first session, and she went, when we left, when we went down the stairs, she said, they went, I don't know what, what happened, mum, it just, all of that thing here just went away. Oh. And I was just... <laughs> oh, bless. And the kids are so quick. Kids are like, see if we can get children in if they're suffering with their mental health at the younger age wow because they live in their imagination i just took him on a magic carpet ride in the sky through past the skyscrapers and got me through off his worries and you know taught him how to breathe and gave him a wee anchor and he went and so the third session was saturday there and i said you know let let's um oh i don't know who that is phoning me he's still there yeah yeah, yeah. I said, um, let, let's talk about then what you've experienced over this time. And um, it was just like, well, if ever I go to worry now, I just do that thing. And I know because I know I can do that, it just goes away. I'm like, yes, going to tell all the adults that. <laughs> Why do you think adults are, are, are harder? Is it because there's more limiting beliefs? Because they've got 40, 50 years of shit 
to suck and say and and 80 90% of that is not even theirs which is so annoying so they downloaded the peers never got that dealt with then added 40 years of their own stuff based on that stuff that wasn't theirs so you're but the same token is the brain's dead simple and people think it's so complex and actually it's really not and the minute we started going and clean out the default setting which is where we all head when there's a bit of stress coming our way the key job is cleaning that out so that you're then becoming you um but the ones that put the work in change is not doesn't take long change is very very quick and i think people because your brain's built for survival right it's always trying to protect you so it's always telling you oh, it'll take years to fix me or there's something wrong i always say there's nothing broken you nothing needs fixed you know they, they come in and think the problem's the cigarettes or the problem's the boss. The problem isn't any of those things. The problem's the thinking, the meaning we're attaching. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a matter of changing the meaning that we're attaching up to. And then these people are like, oh my God. But the key thing is relaxation. Like I literally think relaxation is the answer to life (laughs) because when you practice it when you relax you think clearer you make better decisions you give your brain time to process all this stuff Uh, and i actually just realized i'm very sweary today and keep saying the word shit so i do apologize Um, it's it's called uncut it's uncut time for a mojo and jen oh yeah Um, same same uh that, relaxation that, that. though that's what's needed and everybody especially adults because they're not doing it they're being the wife the mother the husband the provider the do you know what i mean the best pal the grant oh my god like stop fill your cup or you won't have any more to pour it's that simple yeah i love relaxation i was reading a great book all about how we need to have like proper silence, like have a day a week as well, where you're just you, like no plans, just lie and read, lie and snuggle, go for a walk in nature, just like make sure that you really protect. I, I know this year is people have been forced to, whether they want to or not, but they've been forced to kind of slow down and and not be an avoidaholic it's like we're faceaholics yeah you know it's like (laughs) we've got a face up to things and i i don't know i I think people feel so guilty though why so most of my clients when i'm like what do you do for self-care how often do you relax oh like they honestly feel so guilty for taking any time i'm like see the next time you feel like that think of me who's spending 80 percent of our life on ourselves because it's literally you have to do it otherwise if, if all of the outside in your life's looking feeling ugly and horrible it's time for you to sit back and observe um, but they feel so guilty and I, what i what i have seen in my experience to why that is is because it's a self-love thing they don't think they deserve it mm. and 
that's hard. That's but then, hard. were you ever told as a child to go and take a self-care day? No, a lot of it is conditioning, right? You watch people work to the bone, you know, that's the only way to make money if you like bust your ass. It's, it's just not. I, I keep butting in, Joe. I think it's because there's a. No, it's it's. I good. think there's a delay. No, I think it's it's good. It's um, I'm just listening and nodding and thinking. You know, it's it's so important for people to be reminded of this stuff. You know, it's like so important. Mm. Like there's too many people, like feeling like they have to have the weight on the world on their shoulders and rushing about, rush, 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 and and um. Just and that's something I've really worked hard to do over the years is just take a step back, you know, and just chill. Um, albeit I did get unwell at the start of the year, but it was funny with that. You know, I did have a busy workload, but I was still really good at relaxing, but I had a lot of exciting things on. So I think the dopamine was just building, do you know what I mean? And yeah, I was excited. And then when I did this energy course, it was just they actually say like you can go into a huge period of growth in courses like that and then it can trigger a mental illness it can trigger an episode that you don't want wow. and they said this in week three when I came back to the course and week one I was trick I was flying high do you know what I mean I was like absolutely uh -huh. buzzing off this stuff so that's almost like do you know I, I don't know what happened to my brain there have you seen much of that? What were they doing in the course? Was it like freeing the energy up? Yeah, it was like intense meditation with like energy work. Mm. So like grounding your body and like um, feeling the energy in your body and putting it behind your eyes and just various tools. But I mean, within a couple of days, I was absolutely buzzing. I was like, how much of it was this course? And how wow. much of it was just too many exciting things on and my brain just got frazzled but I went hi I just don't know it's weird it's, it's funny like a lot of it can be you know stuff lifting and leaving like any heaviness like any stuff that you needed to like dispose of mm -hmm. could have been a clearing escape of that which has just left you feeling good and then I've just gone like this is amazing Woo! Do you know, it did feel a bit like that. It was like a really spiritual experience because it was like answers were coming to me quite really quickly. The intuition was gone. I just felt like I'm a free spirit anyway, but I just felt like on a different level. And all these downloads were coming and like this clarity and just, I was absolutely on fire. But then I was like, well, what? I'm going to go and learn to do Reiki soon. Mm, yeah, well, when I had that, I was buzzing. I just felt it so strong. The chakras. Mm. I also think as well, though, that that could, it, it, the same token, be trauma, like leaving the body. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And see the episode, one of my first episodes I did on the podcast was me sharing my story, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like deep, deep deep, deep therapy. It was so traumatic to me because I really went into detail and I re-experienced it on some level in my muscles, my brain, my mind, my whole body. 
and I felt like I had an absolute kicking. Like for days I felt physically beat up. So I often wonder like when you have these experiences, like is that loads of trapped emotion mm -hmm. filtering its way through and out of your system, which would, would then cause you to have high and low? Because in one token, you've cleared the stuff, mm -hmm. which would leave you feeling high. And on the other token, you know, all of that stuff that's been buried away, I always say, but memories buried alive never die. Or like just refresh the emotions, right? Like teachers, bullying, or like loads of stuff that we hide and we keep and, you know, you can imagine like the trapped trauma stuck in the body. That I would wonder about that. Do you know, it would make sense because I was writing in my a book that I was writing last year, which I've had to part because it was 50,000 words and I was reading over it and I was like, I'm a different person now having gone through that, you know? Um, having gone through that mental state and that trauma at the start of the year and, and feel like I've come back out of it and I'm in a really good place now but um, and a big part of that because people are like it should take years to to be where you're at now but it's because I've not put shame to it I'm not ashamed I'm not afraid you know it was a mental illness and anyone that's written me off and like I want nothing to do with her or whatever they're speaking about a person that doesn't exist they're speaking about an illness they're not talking about me um <laughs> So I'm like, what do you want me to do? It's like I've, I woke up out of a bad dream and I was back and I was like, hi. And, you know, a couple of people are like, hi. And I'm like, hi, no, it's me. I'm back. Guess who's back? back again. And then, do you know what I mean? Um, but I was writing in this. I think it's even more powerful though, Joe, that you've, you are. And I think that keeps it so real because see if celebrities did that. And, you know, we're a bit more open with, yes, my life is flipping amazing because of I've got all of this stuff. But, you know, I also have this side of me. <laughs> I think that makes the better teacher, to be to be quite honest. Yeah, I, th I think it's important to, to sort of embrace. And uh, like there's, have you heard of shadow work? Like your, your dark side. So like well, uh, Mel, Mel Wells sent a video this morning about the maiden um, archetype and the mother archetype, and she was talking about the shadow side of them. So I only learned about that today. <laughs> How funny is that? And it's like embracing, you know, the parts of us that are darker, embracing all the colours, all the shades, but then always pouring compassion onto that. And I think that's so key, you know, it, it's just completely mm -hmm. pouring all that compassion and, and it's funny because when I was writing that book I was talking about how when I was a kid I loved sweets right like I loved sweets and now I can't touch them and I can't remember what happens but like how can you go from loving something to wow just I, I feel sick if the kids have got sweets like I can eat chocolate but actual sweets I'm like mm. and I'm like I wonder what were like what caused that? Did something traumatic happen a day I had sweets, or did was it something simple like I just ate too many and I didn't want them again? I don't know. Um, but I used to love sweets, and now I'm like properly vomiting <laughs> at the sight of them, like the pick and mix. I'm yeah, like, the, the the few things that have popped up in my mind when you said it was usually what it is is you, 
what they say, right? When you've got something you can't explain, there's something, something's happened that you've attached a meaning to it. So somebody that I'm working with just now has, his friend told him when he was wee that if he ate vegetables, he would die. Mm-hmm. so like he's attached that meaning which stopped him so when did you stop liking the sweets I don't remember I honestly can't remember um the last time I remember eating sweets was maybe when I was like I reckon nine. you've either had an experience mm-hmm. keep going yeah, so I whatever's happened, there's there's been some form of negative event surrounded, right? So maybe it could be something as stupid as, you know, an experience with somebody that's been unkind to you. Um, you could have, you know, came across somebody who choked in a sweetie. Um, but they are the first kind of a things that popped up in my mind that you've attached a meaning at some point, but you've also blocked it out as well. So you've you've put you've put a blocker in there. Have you asked your parents and stuff about it? No. Do you know it was funny? It was just like an example because I was writing about like what would break your heart that you didn't deal with. And I was saying it's not a big enough issue. Like it's probably good that it's one unhealthy thing I can't eat. <laughs> um, so it's not, it's not going to break my heart, not being able to eat sweets. Um, so I'm happy with not dealing with it, but I was quite interested in the sort of idea that my brain had blocked that, that things had happened that mm-hmm. I can't remember, you know, and I know there's a lot of stuff that happens, but you know when there's like key things like st- that stand out, like if someone had hit me as a child, that stands out. Um, but yeah, it would sounds like it would sounds like there was something attached to it for you to be able to block it and have the physical response. Mm-hmm. But what what I mean, whether you could find out the reason, I don't know. But that you could you could diffuse the response you get through like loads are different things the havening technique would be one of them tapping out that that so there's a feeling that comes with it yeah mm-hmm. and it's usually everything starts with a feeling and so you would go to that feeling and when you're feeling it in the moment mm-hmm. you could interrupt that neural connection by just by crossing your arms that's crossing left and right brain then you've got yourself soothing, you're stroking, that's already interfering with your neural pathways. Mm-hmm. It's the way your mother would have stroked you when you were a baby. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so you connect with a feeling, that repulse or whatever it is. When you're feeling it, you're, you're crossing. Then you can interrupt your eye movement, which would interfere with that connection again. Uh, Paul McKenna's got a great, a great one uh, online called I'll send it again. It says Havening for Confidence. I don't know why, because it's nothing to do with confidence, but he uses it on um, a lot of veterans. So he uses it for PTSD, but it could, it's great for like sadness. It's great for just if you get a block. So mm-hmm. even if you don't know what the thing is, you can diffuse it using Havening and you do a couple of rounds. And a lot of the time when I do it, I'm like, I can't even remember what I was thinking about in the first place. <laughs> but it's interrupting your brain will just go to the road most traveled because it's quickness it's looking to op- automate everything so that it can go and use energy for like thinking and everything else 
So you'll just go straight to the, the response that you've always went to since that moment because it's easy, it's automatic. Mm -hmm. And so if we put up wee roadblocks by interrupting that, that road, then at some point it goes, oh, Jojo doesn't want to feel like that anymore and it starts going off on another, another path. Ah, interesting, isn't it? I think it's amazing. Uh -huh. The brain is so powerful, but it's been so interesting listening to you and how you've come through so much and how you're inspiring and helping so many people. You know, it's a proper mojo injection right now. So you should be really proud of yourself. Seriously, it's amazing. Thank you. If people want to contact you, where's the best place to go? So I'm mostly present on Instagram. So Missy's Brain Trainer, I am there. I, I, social media, I used to hate, but I've sort of came to the idea that Instagram's actually very, very good for me because it builds, I know, like trust. Mm -hmm. So people really get the vibe for who I am there. They, they understand that it's a non-judgmental person who is authentic and just has a love for help mothers. So Instagram, Facebook, I find very negative, but if anybody wants to reach out and chat also the podcast everything's under mrs brain trainer youtube mrs brain trainer there's loads of cool interviews i've did like eating disorders uh, martial arts uh, loads of brain stuff worked with a client and sort of a tracked the progress that that was really interesting i've got an interview with my mentor on there um so i really love talking to interesting people about interesting things so then you want to come on, talk about brain training or anything else, then get in touch. Amazing. That's been great. And and what song, what's your favorite song for people to listen to? to oh. What gives you a mojo injection? Oh my god, Ride on Time by I don't know who's who's it's by because I listen to a DJ version mm -hmm. and I go in the gym and I plug it in and I honestly can't control myself like because <laughs> you're right on time right on time and yeah. it's just I vision myself like walking into my event I do wee workshops that was something that happened in lockdown but I see myself teaching bigger crowds and I'm walking in with that tune just pumping and I oh just absolutely loving life so that that's the one that really gets me going amazing well hold on to that vision and enjoy it when it happens boom boom, know, boom. Right? <laughs> well thank you so much and um sending you all the mojo and good vibes and keep up keep inspiring keep up the amazing work you too thank you so much like i just love speaking to you oh love well, yeah you for being here all the love I can oh, 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 oh. Gotta get up, gotta get up, gotta get up Shake, 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 baby Oh, how's that for a mojo injection? Black box, right on time Walk right in, walk right in Whoa Oh yeah, feel it, baby. Whoa, 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 whoa. Gotta get up, gotta get up, gotta get up. Shake, 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 baby. Gotta get up, gotta get up, gotta get up. Shake, 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 baby. 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 Shake, shake, shake,
Gotta get up, gotta get up. Gotta get up, gotta get up, gotta get up. Run out time, yeah. Cause you run out time, yeah. Run out time, yeah. Cause you run out time, yeah. Run out time. Oh, that is a power of a tune. Great one. Get that cranked on the playlist. Go for a walk. Hit the gym. Go for a run. Dance around like a loon. Oh yeah, baby. Gotta get up, gotta get up, gotta get up. Shake, shake, shake it, baby. Gotta get up, gotta get up, gotta get up. Gotta get up, gotta get up, gotta get up. Shake, shake, shake it, baby. Guys, you're awesome. Thanks for being here today. All the love and good vibes. Right on time, baby. Cause you're right on time, yay. Right time. You're right on time, yay. Dance with me. Right on time, yay. Amanda, you rock. Keep inspiring, sweetheart. All the love to you all.